Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Today's Bible College curriculum for February the 25th, 26, 27, 28, and 29. Let's go ahead and pray, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I pray that you're in good health, spirit, soul, and body, that all is well. If not, let's go ahead and fix it. Let's fix it by thanking God, by taking communion, by listening intently to the word of God. What we focus on tends to grow. When we focus on Jesus, we get Jesus. It's a blessing to be able to spend some time in the word of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the bread of life, which is the body of Jesus Christ. Let's imagine him on the cross. Imagine him hanging there. And we say, yes, Father. Yes, Father, we accept that sacrifice. We accept Jesus Christ on the cross as our Redeemer, our Savior, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly going on the cross and giving up yourself to the Father's will for our sake. So we can be saved, so we can make, a, make it into heaven. Thank you for that love, Jesus, the willingness to be crucified on the cross, Lord. Thank you that you did it. We thank the Father in heaven for the death of you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Let's go ahead and take bread, <clears throat> take the, which symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Let's taste and see that God is good, tastes good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We yes, yes, yes to the blessings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Jesus took the cup and said, This is my blood for the redemption of sins. He is our Redeemer. Jesus redeems us by his blood. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. And his blood is here with us today. Heals us, cures us. And makes it whole. Thank you, Lord, for this blood. Let's go ahead and partake of the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, that we participate and take bread all day long, Lord, thinking of you, praising you. Thank you for that bread of life, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we give you all the praise and the glory. Thank you, Father. Yes, yes, yes. Amen and amen. Be it unto us according to your will, according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. And all of God's people say, Amen. Today's teaching comes to us from Joshua twenty four fifteen, where it says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Article by Kenneth Copeland. The Choice is Yours is the title. 
choose to side with God's word is a continual challenge. It's not something you just do once. It's a process of choosing to believe and act upon the word of God. Over and over in every circumstance. Boy, say, how do you do that, Brother Fernando? Just thank him for every circumstance. And the door opens from the inside. That's what everyone has to do. Years ago, I decided I was going to choose Jesus since then I had to choose him again and again and again in every situation. I chosen him as my Lord and Savior. I chosen him as my healer. I chosen him as my financier. I have chosen him as head of my household, chosen him as head of my ministry and still have to choose him moment by moment. Sometimes that choice gets tough, but God has promised it will never get too tough. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. What the Lord is saying is that he will not allow you to be subjected to a temptation you're unable to overcome. <clears throat> With every temptation, he will make a way of escape. He'll always make sure you have a choice. The devil doesn't come tempt you while God is off somewhere else, unaware of what's happening to you. The Spirit of God is constantly there with you, providing you with the way to overcome. In other words, God matches even the toughest temptations with the weapons and power you need to conquer them. He always makes it possible for you to choose life. So let us choose life, walk in love, walk by faith, choose to live by the word by focusing on it. Jesus is the way we choose him. Thanking God for the problem is that we're choosing life right there and then. We have the why on the road. If we curse the darkness, it'll get darker. If we praise God for the darkness, we light a light that it will illuminate the darkness. Sounds good to me. I tried it. Try it. It works out excellent. Always thank God for every circumstance. Get a hold of your spirit. Get a hold of your flesh. Don't let it run rampant, saying and acting like a child. Let's come on now. Let's wake up to it and be skillful like engineers and handling the electricity that goes through us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, a reading from Joshua 24, 14 to 24. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Will you prefer the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods, for the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. 
It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Then Joshua warned the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, No, no, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said. Destroy the idols among you. Uh oh. And turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. Hopefully, they destroy their idols. Now, Joshua concluded by challenging the people to serve the true God and to reject the gods of their ancestors had so foolishly served in the wilderness and in Egypt. He then mockingly suggested that if the people were to were so unwise as to not worship the God of Israel as the only true God, then they should choose to serve either the gods of the Euphrates regions or the gods of those heathen nations living in the promised land. Joshua and his family, however, would serve the Lord of Israel. The people responded positively to Joshua's challenge and declared their undying commitment to the one true God. Now, each day we make a decision whom we will serve, either God or this world and the dictates of our mind. What a wonderful experience to be able to firmly assert that we, that you and I, we will serve the Lord and only the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And now we move on to the 26th. His Extravagant Love by Kenny Copeland. In Deuteronomy 28.8, it says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord my God. Deuteronomy 28.2. I always wondered about that word, hearken. It seems like, hark, the angels sang. Kind of like, let us hearken the word of the Lord. And then all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Amen. For the Lord encompass the praises of his people. Hallelujah. One of the reasons we need to put on headphones and listen to praise and worship as we carry on our day and do our duties in the name of Jesus. Article by Kenny Copeland. He goes on to say, Some people have very low expectations of what God will provide for them materially. They trust him to feed and clothe them, but they don't trust him to feed and clothe them very well. Somehow they've gotten the idea that God's an old miser who will do little more than put rags on their backs and beans on their tables. But that's not what Jesus told us. He said in Matthew 6 that God will clothe us better than he clothed Solomon. That one statement alone proves that God wants to do more than just meet our basic needs. He wants to bless us abundantly. I know that from personal experience. A few years ago, I came home and found two expensive automobiles parked in my driveway. They've been given to me to use by men who's been blessed by the Lord through my ministry. 
I was baffled. I went to the Lord and I said, I didn't need these cars. I didn't ask you for them and I wasn't believing for them. What are they doing here? Then the Lord spoke up on the inside of me. Have you ever read the scripture in Deuteronomy that says, Blessings shall come on and overtake those who hearken to my voice? Yes, I answered. Well, son, he said, you just been overtaken. Am I saying God gave me those expensive cars just so I could drag race and enjoy them? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. First Timothy 6.17 says, He giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God is a loving father. He gets great pleasure from blessing his children. He's extravagant where we're concerned. But don't let that worry you. He can afford it. Once you truly believe that and begin to hearken to his voice, it won't be long before his blessings will be overtaking you. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 10, 1 through 24. Let's go ahead and read that on the New Living Testament, the Recovery Bible, please. When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers to all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. At the same time, in addition, Hiram ships were bringing gold from Ophir, and they also brought rich cargo of red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood wood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for. Besides all the customary gifts he has so generously given, 
Then she and her attendants returned to their own land. Each year, Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing nearly four pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne, decorated with ivory and overlaid it with fine gold. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There were also twelve other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in all the world could be compared with it. All of King Solomon's drinks cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships returned, loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Amen and amen. A true person that God blesses, you can tell in their speech and the demeanor right away. They give God the glory and the honor, and they want everybody to be saved in their conversation. So keep aware that goes along with when God blesses a person. In the Old Testament, a person's wealth often resulted from a good relationship with God. Throughout the earlier part of Solomon's life, this was the case. As Solomon grew older, however, his wealth led him uh oh, to trust in himself rather than in God. We also have this tendency to allow our material wealth and pride to lead us away from God. We must remember that everything we have, even life itself, is a gift from God. As we succeed in recovery, in restoration, and being focused with God, we must remember to give God the credit he deserves. If we begin to think we did it alone, we are headed for trouble. That's one of the reasons you need to put on a bracelet that will remind you to breathe and to thank God for all situations, good and bad, especially bad, because they tend to bring the self-pity out of us. And this way you can grab the neck of the self-pity snake when it sticks out and wants you to act on its venom. And you grab it by its neck and you pull it out of your system. Amen. We become men and women of God, solidly made in his image. All right, let's go ahead and move on. That was a real beautiful reading. Let's move on to the 27th of February. Let's see what that entails in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Better things to come by Gloria Copeland. But God's grace is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, 2 Timothy 1.10. Amen. In the New Living Bible, it says, 
And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. 2 Timothy 1.10 Have you ever wondered what it would be like when your body dies and you go on to heaven? Well, according to the word, when that time comes, this flesh and blood we live in will die. But we won't feel a thing. We'll just take off the, this body, this suit, or our flesh, lay it down and go to a better place. There's some believers who have died on the operating table and come back. It's called a near-death experience. And they say they have no sensation of loss, no sting. Their minds stay intact, and they even have arms and legs. But they are spirit and not flesh. One man said he couldn't even tell he wasn't in his body until he tried to grasp something. His hand would just go right through the material object. He was spirit and not flesh. According to the Apostle Paul, to be absent from the body is to be present with God, 2 Corinthians 5.1. So when God calls us home, we'll just abandon our fleshly body and go to be with him forever. It's interesting, though. God doesn't even refer to our old abandoned bodies as being dead. He says they're just sleeping. Why? Because he knows that just as sleep is temporary, so is the death of the body. He planned a day when our sleeping bodies will be awakened and raised up in glory just like Jesus was. Hallelujah. There's coming a day when not only our spirits have victory over death, our physical bodies too. Death is not the end for us. It's only a change to a better place. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for us this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So, we are always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these early bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Amen and amen. Now, the fact that God is preparing a new body in a better home for us at the end of our physical lives cannot be proven scientifically. It must be accepted by faith because God told us so. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, such faith always pleases God and it helps us overcome our great fear of death, the doorway to eternal life with God. 
It is important in recovery that we entrust our life to God and seek to please him, knowing that God wants to give us something special after this life can give us confidence and motivate us to trust in him now. I really like the way it says that we live by believing and not by seeing. It's really interesting. Uh, alcohol and drugs will, and carousing and complaining and criticizing and murmuring and laziness, all this stuff will take away your believer. And then you'll start arguing with people about believing uh, mechanisms or whatever. But believing is restored when we surrender and say, uncle, it's restored and we got to keep it up. We got to, can't go throw out the, the towel. We can't throw the towel in. We got to keep believing and to keep acting like we're believing. We're not feeling it. And believing is a gift and it was given to us through love, through our parents, through Father God. And the, the evil one is trying, constantly trying to take it away from us. Let us smoothly walk through life believing amen now consequences and motives are a major issue in, in restoration and recovery in any kind of walk consequences for selfish and destructive actions reach even beyond the boundaries of this life uh oh all of us will have to stand before christ and receive his piercing evaluation our kindness our good acts for those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, this judgment will also include the giving of rewards. Understanding that our actions and commitments have eternal consequence can help us think twice before we act and motivate us to live according to God's program. There was this one biker guy that uh, fell off his bike and he went on to heaven for a little short period of time and God showed him a lot of things about his life and he showed him how he was hitting this one guy. He had him on the floor because he was a bruiser of a biker and he was beating this one guy up and he, he looked at the guy closer on the floor who he was beating and it was himself. It was his face. So what we do to others, we do to ourselves. When we talk to others about others, we talk about ourselves. Amen. I've seen it all the time when someone starts complaining about somebody, gossiping and murmuring that they're selling books, they're making money on all kinds of little ladies. And then you hear them the next time they're having a hard time on their walk. Their believer has left them. Amen. It's not to us to judge another plant that's been planted. We don't know what kind of clay, what kind of rocky soil that plant is trying to hang on. Let us just thank God we have good soil that produces 30, 16, 100 full in return. Amen. Thank you, God, for where you have planted us, Lord God. We rejoice. Amen. February 28th. He will lead you. Article by Gloria Copeland. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16, walk in believing, walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, that's the key to overcoming the flesh. If you follow the promptings of the Spirit of God within you, you won't be dominated by the pressures your flesh tries to put on you. As you listen to the written word and the Holy Spirit telling you what to do, 
You'll constantly be making little adjustments in your life according to what he says. And those little adjustments will keep darkness from overtaking you. You see, God knows just what you need. He can look ahead in your life and see the traps and pressures the devil is laying for you. So follow the Holy Spirit leading and he will maneuver you safely around them to victory. Amen. And remember, if you're stuck in a situation, say, God, I am stuck here. I don't know which way to turn. I'll just wait on you. I've taken, I've taken so many turns in life, so no problem in waiting on you and showing me the right action, the right procedure, the right steps. For Lord, your word says that I will hear a word saying to me, go to the right, go to the left. Amen. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And now let's go jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture says, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulge in pagan revelry, revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and they were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from worship of idols. Amen. So the way out he will show you is, because you're here and you're listening, is to stand there and thank God. Stand there and praise him. Go to the bathroom and praise him. Stop your feet. Praise the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And the Lord will give you the wisdom, the strength, and the spirit and send you reinforcements and help. Amen. Remember, God inhabits the praises of his people. That's when we thank him. That's a praise. That's a praise. And especially when we have a circumstance that we're going through, we praise him and we turn it in. We flip it over. All right, let's go ahead and do February 29th, just in case we have a leap year come around us and it's available nevertheless. Factor in the anointing. Factor in the anointing by Kenneth Copeland. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing. 
Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. Amen. Amen, for we are God's masterpiece again. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2.10. Have you ever run up against a situation and thought, this is hopeless or I'll never be able to do that? Well, think again. No situation is hopeless when you factor in the anointing. The anointing factor is the very power of God at work in your situation. The anointing of the Spirit of God totally obliterates every yoke of bondage until there's no evidence that a yoke ever existed. It is God on flesh in your life doing those things only God can do. When your mind and flesh try to take over in these situations, you soon realize, I just don't have the strength. I don't have what it takes to combat this thing and win against it. That's when you can step back and allow the power of God in your spirit, the anointing, to take over. You can expect the anointing factor to rise up in you and turn things around. The anointing of the Spirit of God in your life can overcome every evil intention coming against you and not only deliver you fully, but also take the, that situation and turn it around to make something good Come out of it. So when you're confronted by impossible circumstances in this world, you have a covenant right to expect the power of God in your life to work on your behalf. Factor in the power of God's word. Factor in the power of his spirit. Factor in the anointing and watch those circumstances change. Isaiah 10.27 says, Isaiah 10, 27, in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for today's reading. Blessed be the Lord God that gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We will praise the Lord and continue to praise him and thank him for his word. Amen and amen. Bless you, family. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen and amen. Thank you, family, for coming on here today. Amen.